0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Keeping It 9450. Codename WVB. Uh, brought to you by the 9450 Women's Basketball Network. Yes, Kada, you finally decided to turn our podcast into a podcast network, K-Dot. How you feeling about that right now, bro?
1: I feel amazing about it. I feel um, super great about it because it was uh, long overdue. I think that with our Following with our particular network, it was time to just show some love to all of the women who play the sport um, at a high level and continue to focus on the equity of the actual sport itself. So I'm extremely excited that we have turned our podcast into an actual women's basketball driven network. And I am telling you right now, you better. Hop on the train because when the train has left Paris, you're going to be sorry that you didn't hop on like as early on as we're as we're doing it. So I'm super excited. I know you're excited and we are getting ready to shock the world. And it's going to be an amazing round as we continue to embrace what we're doing for women's basketball and the entire women's basketball community.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I'm really excited that we decided to turn it into a network. But hey, K-Dot, real quick, does our podcast name change? Are we just going to get away with the keeping In 9450 and just keep it and just name it uh, code name WBB, or are we just gonna still be keeping in
1: 9450 code name WBB? Listen, I'm I honestly like what we have right now. I, I I really like what we have right now. So my biggest idea between code name WBB is. Using our platform, we have the off the bounce short. I, I recommend that we use code name WBB as the short, and then we can emphasize off the bounce when we're talking about certain things within the WNBA, within college, uh, women's college basketball stuff like that. I'm really keeping the 9450 code name WBB. I think it's our D. I think it's our monitor. I think it's our. Um, I think it's our tag. And I think we should keep it,
0: bro. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, but we got a lot of other stuff coming too. We got, we, oh, we bring in Hoopers Unheld back to the, to the, to the forefront. We got some people that want to do their own podcasts along our shows. So we're going to be releasing content like crazy. We put out an application for people to sign up. And a lot of people, a, a lot of people signed up. I'll say about six or seven people signed up. But that's still a lot for us for uh, a, a network as a beginning, but they want to do blogs and podcasts and, and everything. Like I said, like Kate, I said at the top, join us, man. We, we open to, for, to communicate with y'all and to help grow this network. So let's just get right into the meat and potatoes of this show. it an emergency podcast, but really not, but we got to talk about Derek Fisher real quick, another coaching job for Derek Fisher and another firing before potential could be realized, like Derek Fisher was just let go by the Los Angeles Sparks on Tuesday. They parted ways with him and uh, assistant coach Fred Williams, who I thought was going back to the college ranks, is now the uh, interim coach for the rest of the WNBA season. Derek Fisher, he was with the Sparks for four years. Then he took on the uh, general manager of responsibilities in 2020. The Sparks was, they had a winning record with him. They was 54 and 46 and made the playoffs twice. Entering 2022, KDOT and like I said, on January 24th, when we did our podcast, season preview, not season preview, but like the State of the Union or whatever we was calling it, we talked about the Sparks. I said at the top of the show, and I said at the end of the show, like Derek Fisher's season depended on it. And and then after that, they brought in Liz Cambage, they brought in Kennedy Carter, and they had some high expectations for this team because we and we even said it that this team is has a really good roster. There's a star-studded roster when you added the K sisters and then Brittany Sykes, and then when uh, Chrissy Tolliver is returning soon. But now they're they're fourth in the West. Their record is five and seven, and so. That's what happened. I guess the organization was like, all right, we need a new voice. And so, K-Dot, Fisher's out.
1: Yeah, Fisher's out. And um, as a basketball person, of course, we talked about this over and over again. Um, just like you said, back in January, the season depended on it. And 12 games in, and he's out. And we do believe that with the roster makeup and the way this roster looks, we fact, that Derrick Fisher found a way to, you know, as a GM, found a way to to bring the talent that he needed in order for the Sparks to compete. And I feel like this has been very underwhelming at the start of the season, especially with the names on that roster. I understand that when it comes to talent, there's also chemistry. And so far, it just doesn't look fitting that, That falls back on the coach and what their strategy is supposed to look like, what their philosophy is supposed to look like. And unfortunately, Derek Fisher has tapped out on his philosophy, has tapped out on the way, from a coach's standpoint, how this team is supposed to look. And let's just go back to the very first game against the Sky. You thought that there would have been a change of regime just by the way that they played against the Sky in the opener, but... Unfortunately, they've had some duds against some, some 500 teams coming into the season, and it's been very underwhelming. So, as a result, he's out. And quite frankly, I'm not sure if anybody feels sorry for him, just being completely honest, just being completely 100%, keeping it 9450. 50 So, I think that what what Williams is going to do as a interim head coach, hopefully he can turn this tide and Make it, make it work because I do feel like with the roster that they have, it's a very talented roster and this roster can indeed be somewhat of a playoff team, not necessarily a championship team, but a playoff team.
0: Yeah. KDOT, the WNBA community as a whole are celebrating this. I seen the tweets and I was just like, wow, like they really wanted this man out. This is what happens when you... <laughs> Listen, when you mess with a good player, Candace Parker, and whatever happened in that playoff series that that happened before we actually started podcasting and everything, they never forgave him for it. So it's a celebration on the timeline, not from us. We we try to be as impartial as possible. And I I know Dirk from the Laker days. So I feel bad, but I understand from a from a team standpoint, it's a business, and sometimes you got to cut ties when 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 the business is not being reciprocated well or whatever. But the Sparks they were, they've been struggling, man. They was 12 and 20 last year when they missed the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. They had a 5 game losing streak this season despite bringing in Liz Cambage and Kennedy Carter. It's just crazy, but also this K. like got to give the Sparks a lot of credit. You got to give Derek Fish a lot of credit. Yeah, they're 5 and 7, but they had nine road games. They only played three home games. So it's like it, it was kind of it's kind of tough for them to go on the road and, and win like that and, and, and be stacked up uh, with that many road games in the 12-game span. That's crazy, but looking for it. Fred Williams, he has a lot of coaching experience in the WNBA. I think that he coached the Utah Stars, the Atlanta Dream, Tulsa. He coached Liz Cambage as well in Dallas. I think that he'll be fine. I think that he's still going to leave because he took that uh, that associate head coaching job with Auburn, so I think that'll just be a nice little stopgap before they actually find a new coach. And I, as far as a new coach, before we move on to our next subject, what kind of coach you think that the Sparks should have when they're searching post-Coach Williams leaving?
1: So I think for the roster makeup, is going to have to be like a hybrid setting. So I look at this roster, and it's not necessarily up-tempo because you have a lynch camp age. And with that being said, it needs to be more of a philosophy driven towards uh equal um, opportunity for all players involved. So when you have certain lineups, for example, if you have um, at the center position, I know she can play a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit more motion. You're not necessarily waiting for back-to-the-basket plays and just pick-and-roll settings that Liz brings. So when you're talking about a coach, you want to have someone who understands both philosophies. and unfortunately, this is not going to be the most popular name, and I know it's never going to happen, but this is an example of a type of coach that will more than likely try to, uh, try to work for the Sparks, and that's someone of a Bill Lambeer type philosophy. Bill Lambeer was widely known as someone who was a traditionalist, someone who predicated his philosophies strictly on defense, so that defense turns into offense, but not necessarily from a pace standpoint was the biggest component of pace. I believe that they were always middle of the pack to last in pace for some, some of his teams, maybe except for their 2020 team who didn't have a list and ended up going to the WNBA finals. But it needs to be that type of coach if you're going to have a Liz of on your team. Because, again, you don't want to predicate everything on fast tempo because, of course, with Liz's stature, um, it's not going to be too much of a running gun for her. It's going to be more getting into a clean, high pick-and-roll or back-to-the-basket type setting where she's drawing double-team and tossing it out, even if you want to do a, a, a case where you're doing uh, certain, certain types of different pick-and-roll settings, um, pick-and-pop settings then um, it needs to be a coach of that type of caliber uh, from an offensive standpoint. But then also from a defensive standpoint, when you have a first-team all-defense in Brittany Sykes, someone who can set that tempo in a coach that can actually have their guards for joining Canada and a Kennedy card to buy in to play in a little bit more defense, it can predicate your offense from a fast break standpoint. So I think somebody like that would be helpful for the Sparks, um, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. They they need a a veteran coach, somebody that can command the locker room and everything. I think that the Sparks will be fine. I think they're going to play hard now that they have a new voice in there and everything. So just good luck to them, K-Dot. Oh, we got to talk about the WNBA expansion, right? The WNBA commissioner Kathy Engelbert said that they're looking to add one to two teams by the end of by twenty twenty four, and I think that they want to name those teams by the end of this year, and I think they have six teams that they have. They had they have six teams that are potential expansion cities: Nashville, Oakland, Philly, Portland, San Francisco, and Toronto. So, Kaidah, like, where do you hope? What which two teams you want to see expand expanded into the
1: WBA? I'm a big fan. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Starlet to be honest with you, and I believe that that wasn't one of the names, I don't think, when you were uh, announcing it, but I really feel like from an expansion standpoint, I truly believe that the the market, especially when you have South Carolina in your backyard, I think it can expand up to North Carolina. I do believe that Nashville is a great um, spot for basketball, Tennessee has a rich tradition on Aswin Knoxville with the University of Tennessee and passed on it. I also believe that Philadelphia with their William fan base and, of course, the Natasha Cloud, a Philly native, has been raving about how good it would be to have a, a team in, in Philly and how much they will embrace that team, and I do believe that they will will be good. And also, you got to go to the Bay Area, and we already know that there is a there is a business group that is looking to get a team in the Bay Area. More importantly, in Oakland, and I believe that if I were to pick two, I my personal bias would be solid in in the Bay Area, but. When you're talking about Philly, Nashville, Toronto, and even Toronto with Canada's fan base, they have grown so much, especially with the Raptors winning the 2019 NBA championship. I know that they're ready for a uh, WNBA franchise as well. I've heard it so many times in different spaces that I've been in, so that if I were to choose, I have to say Charlotte and the Bay Area for me, because I think that from a fan base standpoint, you have South Carolina literally in your backyard. So all of the fans from the South Carolina um um area. And then you also have a rich history and what and what Charlotte brought uh in their original Charlotte State, those games were real wild, real livid. You had Dawn Staley there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and as an ambassador and her being in your backyard, that's almost a, a perfect storm, if you will. Those are my two personal choices, but from a business standpoint and from what I believe could happen, I think Nashville and the Bay Area would definitely get the bid before maybe a Philly, Toronto. And I, I really like the Philly fan base. The the, the the culture is definitely there. But just looking at it from a business standpoint, I think that Nashville and uh, the Bay Area would definitely be the next two franchises up for, from an expansion standpoint, and then we will move forward uh, from
0: there. I think I I agree with the Nashville one, but I think that Toronto gonna get in. I think that with expansion, I think that the WNBA wanna increase their global reach. So I think that Toronto actually might be one of those teams. And I think that with Oakland, like said, like they're rich, basketball history, they just love basketball out there, San Francisco too. But uh, I think it'll be Oakland and Toronto, to be honest. The only thing about Toronto is though, KDOT, now when they do the collective bargaining agreement, they're going to have to do chartered flights. Cannot fly into Toronto commercial as a professional basketball team. It won't work. Customs is going to be insane. And I just think that it will be a logistical nightmare to travel to Toronto on a commercial flight. going to be crazy. I was interested in yeah. I was interested in Portland, though, but I think that with Portland, even in the NBA or I- anywhere up there, even Seattle, I think Seattle flies the most miles when it comes to traveling. I think that Portland right. might, might be out the picture because of the, the traveling, but I think it's going to be either Nashville or, or Toronto. I think Oakland's going to be stuck there. I think Oakland gets to one spot in guaranteed because of they already have the model in place with the investment team and Elena Baird being there. I think that they're they're a lock. And I think that's going to end up coming down between Nashville and Toronto. But Philly also could be a dark horse in there. But I I, I don't see Portland, though.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And that's exactly why I didn't put Toronto in the first batch, because exactly what you said from a logistics standpoint, it would be a logistics nightmare. It would be a complete nightmare overall from a travel standpoint if Toronto is considered and you haven't even fixed your domestic traveling as as of right now. So imagine having a Toronto franchise but then you haven't even fixed your, your domestic traveling and you have to fly into a whole different country with customs and you're doing all of this commercial. That would be a logistic, and it could even be more of a PR nightmare. I think that what they'll do is they'll look domestic first, from an expansion from a, from an expansion standpoint, and then once they can figure out with the collective bargaining agreement and getting charter flight, then they can definitely move into the new regime of getting Toronto as an expansion team, especially with the game being so global right now and. I think that'll work out, but I truly 100% agree with you with the whole travel and logistics thing. That would be a nightmare. All right, let's move
0: on to our WNBA All-Star picks. We're going to do it right here, K-Dot, live on the podcast. So I'll start with my backcourt. My backcourt, I have for my picks, I have Ryan Howard. You know why. Rookie of the year, frontrunner. Early, early MVP candidate for a second right there. Really special change in the culture of the team, do everything, guard forward. Just a special player, man, special rookie. Also, I have Jewel Lloyd in the backcourt as well. Jewel Lloyd having a great season, low key, even though um her Seattle team is slipping a little bit. They lost two games in a row last week, but she's still having an amazing season. Kelsey Plum, who, when we do our next installment, of our quarter quarterly awards. And When we get to the All-Star break, if Kelsey Plum is playing the way that she is at this high level, man, like, man, like, most improved player. She's playing really good. And speaking of most improved player, our front runner for most improved player, Jackie Young, in the backcourt, too, as well. K-Dot, like, what you thinking, man? What you thinking about the backcourt? What's your backcourt?
1: So I, I really like your backcourt. I don't know if I would change anything in the backcourt because guess what? I'm more of a winning type um, a voter. So my biggest thing is like to be a star, like you have to do a lot for your team, including how your record reflects. And that also includes all w- WNBA teams as well, and I just personally feel like with the list that you have, I have, of course, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, I also have uh, Ryan Howard, and, and Jewel Lloyd, even with Jewel Lloyd team and record not being um, to the atlanta the, and, and of course, obviously, the league leading Las Vegas Aces, but when you look at the circumstance that Jewel Lloyd had put into this year, She didn't have Stewie for a couple games. She didn't have Mercedes Russell. And I believe Mercedes Russell was just cleared for basketball activities a week ago. So I think with it, Sue Bird was also out um, for a couple games. And I think that the way that she's been able to keep the storm afloat, I think that she is definitely an all-star. And that would be my backcourt as well. There are some picks that I would love to have. On this All Star team, but I have to see what the team has has to improve themselves. Kelsey Mitchell is one. I do believe that with 19 and a half points per game, she's leading the team in scoring and everything. Um, Scholar Diggins Smith at 18.4 points per game. I, I think that there are some things um, from a team standpoint that needs to be approved in order for me to actually choose one of them to be an All Star, and then of course. She's not racking up as many points, but she is leading her team. That's Natasha Cloud. Unfortunately, she still only has 11 points per game, but she's racking up seven assists and almost four rebounds um, per game. She's doing everything um, that she can, and the Mystics are arguably a top three, top four um, team in the league, um, even with their uh, recent losses. But I think that roster makeup that we have for our guards right now from a voting standpoint I think it's going to stick for a little while, and we'll just see what happens. But Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, Jewel Lloyd, and Ryan Howard are my all-star picks as well. You know
0: what? I think that we're going to have the same players when it comes to our front court. And I'll, I'll set it off. I got Elena Deladon, Elena Don. She's having a dope season for the Mystics, man. Like when she's playing, you can tell that she's back, man. And the game just like, she's just so veteran savvy, man. She can just get to her spots and and do what she wants, man. So I'm loving how she's playing at this point of the season. and Sylvia Fowles. Now we know the Minnesota Lynx not having a particularly good season. And this is Sylvia Fowles last year. But she's playing like she got five years left. I hope that she doesn't retire. I really hope that yeah, that's my, my thoughts when it comes to her because she's still out there doing her thing. I think that she's one of four players averaging a double in the league. She is averaging over a block, over still a game. Again, just still being her defensive dynamo self, dynamic self. We got I also got uh, Neko Ogumike as well doing her thing. I think, she's definitely, I think she's one of four that's also in the top 10 in scoring and, and rebounding. Brianna Stewart, Stewart gonna be there regardless. No matter what, She's this is Stewart we talking about, she gonna be there. Alyssa Thomas, for me, also having an, an amazing season. Being like the heart and soul of that Connecticut Sun team, just the way she's playing through the injuries and just producing some solid numbers, man, across the board. And Asia Wilson, too, as well. Like, all right, Kata, Asia Wilson, MVP leader. As What more can we say about Asia, man? Like, she's just having career year and it's not even having big stats just like her overall impact her gravity when she's on the court and just how she makes life so much easier for players like Jackie Young and, and Kelsey Plumman so that's the front court right
1: yeah you hit the nail on the head I, I totally agree um, again I'm going to add some other players from a just from a, a, a basketball standpoint De'Erica Handy, I, I think that she definitely deserving of a spot as well, especially how competitive the front court is. Yep. I truly believe that De'Erica Hanby can definitely get a spot averaging almost 13 points per game, 9.4 rebounds. She has definitely come into that starting lineup and wreaked havoc for Coach Becky Hammond and the Las Vegas Aces, and she has definitely been a key piece in that front court on top of the MVP leading candidate in Asia Wilson. Those two are just perfect together, to be honest with you. And hopefully she does get a a nod at at an all-star bid. But everybody else that you named, that's exactly who I have. It's going to be very fun. Just seeing how the fans are going to vote, even though it's been announced that they might not even uh, announce the fan vote, (laughs) which is uh, weird, but I digress. Um, But anyway, I, I think that with our all-star uh, selection. I think that this is a perfect um, way to show everyone how important it is to look at the basketball um, aspect of state not just trying to keep it from a, a popularity standpoint. Uh, if you keep it ninety four fifteen, you look directly at the game itself. All of the players that we named are truly deserving of being an all-star this year, and hopefully we'll see that um, come to fruition. So. I agree.
0: Yeah, Derek and Hamby definitely should be on this list. But I don't understand why the WNBA didn't do like Eastern Conference and Western Conference voting. They just did front court and back court. They didn't do East and West Conference. They just did one thing. So I don't, we shall see how that's going to (laughs) work. We're going to see how that's going to work. That was definitely weird. But before we get out of here, just want to say free Brittany Griner. She's been in uh, in Russia, illegally detained for 111 days now. We won't stop. We still gotta make sure that send our prayers to her family and the WNBA that's that's supporting her. You've seen the NBA, you know, players supporting her with the free or with the we are BG t shirts and and pins and everything. But K Dot some interesting news came out a couple of days ago about Brittany Griner that she's actually having, you know, correspondence with friends and family and WNBA players via letters and and everything. And of course, she's able to write back to as well. Obviously, we know that. Is being seen by the is being seen by the law out there, and if she don't even have papers, she's allowed to verbally um, send out her messages to her supporters. So that's actually pretty interesting news, and I know that might be holding her over as she's in this ordeal 111 days, which is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, I think that with that news coming out and it's given some some type of uh, comfort for her. Definitely free Brittany Griner. I do believe that hopefully we can get some more, some more light shed it towards the situation. It's a truly horrible situation and all we want is for BG to be home. And I continue to pray for her mental aspect being uh, detained in Russia for 111 days now. And I do want to just continue to, to hope and pray that, um, that she is okay. And hopefully the letters and correspondence is, is helping with that. Yeah, I agree,
0: man. Free BG, man, till it's in reverse. Word. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you for listening to Keeping It 9450, codenamed WBB, a part of the 9450 Women's Basketball Network, our first show underneath our new network. Don't forget to collab with us. Hit us up on our page, the 9450WBB on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to follow me at the DR Test Show on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to follow KDOT on Twitter at KDOTLU3H. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We chart it in the top 200 of basketball podcast in the United States, so we are happy about that. So thank you to all you supporters out there that is just keeping up with us, and we love y'all, we salute y'all, we thank y'all, and you know how we do, it's so out Love is love. Peace.